reading of Scripture today comes from the first letter of Peter, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. Please receive the Word of God. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It has been given to us out of your love and grace to comfort us and to guide us and to assure us of who you are and what you have made us to be. We pray, Heavenly Father, your spirit to be upon me as I preach, that I would proclaim clearly and faithfully your word and give us ears and hearts, Heavenly Father, to receive it and respond to it, to your glory. I pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, good morning again. Today is a, a, an exciting beginning of a, a series, a small series. It's all of two messages long, but uh, I believe uh, an important series, a series that I hope uh, has uh, lays groundwork for some great new things at River. Uh, you might recall that a couple of weeks ago, the elders all went on a retreat together and we asked you all to pray. And uh, this message is one of the fruits that came from that retreat. I would say that we will call it the first fruits because there are several things that were accomplished in that retreat. When we were on that retreat, we focused on establishing the core values at River Community Church. Uh, What are the values that make River, River? Those things that are critical to our mission, that, that make our identity, that are basically our DNA as a church. And we came up with a list of uh, about seven uh, core values. And today, uh, we are going to address one of them. We will have, uh, all of them will get addressed in time. But this is going to be one kind of put in the front, not because it is most important of the seven, but because we wanted to address this one uh, early because this is something that we have been working on actually for a while. And that is that we want to look at the core value of shepherding. Shepherding. We're going to deal with this in in two weeks. Uh, This week, we are going to uh, focus on what it means to live in the shepherding of God. And we're going to be focused on verse 4 of the passage that I read you that tells us that uh, Christ is our chief shepherd. 
Next week, we will uh, focus on what living out shepherding in the church looks like. And we'll share some more of, of, uh, of the retreat at that time. But it's important to deal with the, the way Christ is our shepherd first to lay our foundation. Uh, we see in this text, and if, in fact, if you look at the scriptures from beginning to end, you will find that shepherding, being a shepherd, is a critical piece of God's self-revelation. We're going to have lots of verses today to illustrate and anchor how important it is that we understand God as our shepherd. Those verses are, are to expand upon what uh, Peter tells us in this text. It's critical that we grasp shepherding for this reason. God has made himself known to us as a shepherd. So if we want to know God, we have to know what he means when he calls himself our shepherd. Shepherding is, is uh, not just a name for God. Shepherding is part of how we are able to experience God's grace and comfort daily. Shepherding is God's care for us every day. Knowing God as our shepherd is one of the things that allows us to wake up in the morning and to know that God's mercies are new today that he will take care of me, that he will provide for me, that he will not lead me where he cannot protect me. And so grasping shepherd is how we experience God's care for us daily. It's also how we experience our assurance for tomorrow. How do we know everything's going to be okay? How do we know God will complete his plan? How do we know God's going to fix the mess that I am? We know that. Because God has made himself our shepherd. Do you need that? Do you need that knowledge that God is your shepherd? Are you in a situation where you feel completely lost and off track, desperate for direction? Do you need to know the daily care of a shepherd? Do you feel like you are carrying it all on your own and that you're stumbling through? Do you need the assurance that he who has made himself your shepherd will be with you tomorrow, will be with you no matter what, will be with you through the worst day and will make sure that your worst day is not your last day, but that you will have glory? It's for these reasons that we need to grasp the meaning that God is our shepherd and that we need to grasp the importance of shepherding to the church. In 1 Peter, we are going to see that God reveals himself as our shepherd so that we can be comforted every day. And we're going to see that by recognizing the significance of shepherding to his character, to his care. And to his crown. And like I said, we are going to focus uh, uh, most specifically on verse 4 of this passage. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This, of course, was written by Peter. And it's helpful to remember Peter's life as we think about what that verse means to him. 
or means to us. Peter was, in some ways, the best apostle, and in other ways, the worst apostle. He had some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. And yet he was told after the resurrection of his Savior, who he denied three times, feed my sheep. Because Peter knows the chief shepherd who can take him to the worst and the best and assure him of tomorrow. So as Peter writes these words, we do well to absorb them as a disciple would. Here today we see that God reveals himself as our shepherd so that we can be comforted every day by his character, his care, and his crown. Let's look first of all at how we are comforted by his character. In verse 4, God in Christ is called the chief shepherd. Shepherd is the name of God in this passage. He calls himself shepherd. Now this is important for us as we recognize the biblical view of names. The Hebrew for name is is shim. And it is I the, the 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 word for name in Hebrew is the exact same word as reputation. In the Hebrew mindset, of which Peter is invested, your name and your reputation are the same thing. You are known by what you are known for. And so naming in the, in the Hebrew world was always to give a name of some significance that you hoped would describe that person. It's much different than how we name people today. Names are more because they sound nice. But if we want to capture Uh, the idea of a name in Scripture with how we might use names today, think of nicknames. I don't know if you've ever had a nickname, but the nickname is something that you you inherit or you receive for some act, good or bad, in your life. I think I've only had one nickname that, that I can recall, but when I was in high school, I went to debate camp. Oh, yeah. It was, it was sweet. <laughs> whole bunch of guys that their most exciting thought for the day was to spend it at the library. It was, um, it was a joyous time. But it was, it was where I, I spent many of my summer weeks, at debate camp. And in debate camp, you'd, you'd research, 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 and then you'd have these uh, debate rounds where you'd uh, uh, argue and, and try and build your case. And I found out that many people did not know my name, but that I was known around the camp as the UPS man, the UPS man. I didn't understand what that was, so I asked him, well, what's, what's the UPS man? And this is, this is flattering, but I'm, you know, once in a while. Okay, last week I didn't flatter myself. The UPS man, it says, because I was tall, and I always delivered. Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why they said I was called the UPS man. So that was a fun nickname. Uh, but the idea is that, that the nickname is to try and connect who you are with what you're known for. And God, in his scriptures, does this again and again. He gives and reveals himself through a name so that we know him by that name. And here in, in, 
First Peter verse 4, he calls himself the chief shepherd. He calls himself the shepherd because shepherd reveals his identity. In 1 Peter chapter 2.25, we are told, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Again, the name shepherd. In Psalm 80 verse 1, we are told, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. He is known as the shepherd of Israel. And then perhaps the verse that comes to many of our minds when we think of shepherding, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. Significance of that last statement is, I am is the name of God. And Jesus here is using the name of God, I am And then showing us that as we understand him as the I am, we also understand him as the good shepherd. This is his name because this is his identity. It is his identity because it is his reputation. We think of David's most famous psalm, the 23rd Psalm, where he writes of God, the Lord is my shepherd. He writes that after years of experience because he has learned in manifold ways, the Lord shepherds me. It is his character because shepherding is his heart. If we go to the Gospel of Matthew, the scene of the the Mass of 5,000, Matthew helps us look into the heart of our Savior with these words, Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word compassion is splachnon, which is basically saying that his guts were twisted and activated by compassion and desire to help this helpless people. His guts are shepherd guts. He sees his people when they are without care and without protection, and his compassion rises up to care for them. This is his character. He wants you to know him as shepherd. Do you know the Lord as your shepherd? Can you write those words in your own journal as they were written in David's journal? The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say, I shall not want? If we know God, we know him as shepherd. Certainly he's revealed himself in other names and other ways. They're all consistent. But if we know the true God, if we have a relationship with the true God, then you need to know him as shepherd, as your shepherd. The very first time that the words shepherd are used for God is in the book of Genesis chapter 48, and it comes upon the lips 
of Jacob, the grandchild of Abraham. We are told from Jacob these words, Genesis 48, 15, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. You see, that's his testimony. That's the way Jacob knew God. I have been with him all my life, and I know him as a shepherd. Now, if you know Jacob's story, you recognize that Jacob was not the best sheep. He was very wayward. He was very rebellious. He was very hard-headed. And yet, after decade after decade after decade, God stayed the same, caring for him, loving him, demonstrating his steadfastness. And so Jacob can say experientially, God is my shepherd. Can you make that testimony? As you look back on your life, as you look back on your walk with the Lord, can you testify, he is my shepherd? You see, when God reveals to him, us, to him, uh, us, himself to us, as having the character of a shepherd, he is saying, know me this way, experience me this way, walk with me as a shepherd, because those who do experience a God who never leaves them and never forsakes them, who is wholly worthy of all of their trust, who can be known deeply and richly and experientially as the good shepherd. Do you know God off the page as your shepherd? So he reveals himself for our daily comfort through his character, but next we see that he reveals himself also through his care. Here Peter tells us he is the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd. And by that word chief, he is stressing both that he is the head, he is the boss, he is the top shepherd, but also he is the preeminent shepherd. He is the shepherd that we compare ourselves next to as we seek to shepherd. He is the example of shepherding done perfectly. God calls, I think it's interesting, that God calls to be his leaders in this world, those who were by nature shepherds. When he calls Moses to deliver his, his people out of the Egyptian slavery, he is in the burning bush, and Moses comes across the burning bush. How? By leading his flocks. And there's the burning bush. And it was only after Moses had spent those 40 years as a shepherd that God finally speaks to Moses and says, now is your time to shepherd my people out of slavery. And then when we go to the monarchy, to the, to the first king, the king uh, after God's own heart, not the first king in chronology, but the first king after God's own heart, we see God calls David. And we see in uh, 1 Samuel 16 this, this uh, amusing story where the, the prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse and all of the sons of Jesse are there waiting for, for Samuel to, to anoint them. 
And it goes from the oldest to the next oldest to the next oldest to the next oldest. And God telling Samuel each time, it's not that one. It's not that one until there are no brothers to choose to anoint. And so Samuel, in, in some uh, disbelief, says to Jesse, do you have any other children? He says, oh, yeah, we have one more, David. He's out shepherding the flocks. And that was the man that we were told was the man after God's own heart. And so we also see God's anger, his wrath well up when people who are supposed to be shepherds of the flock, of his flock, fail at their shepherding. We read in Ezekiel chapter 34 these words uh, in uh, verse 3 and 5, 3 to 5. You do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. He is angry because they were called to shepherd his flock, and instead they abused him, abused the flock. Therefore God promises that he will send his own shepherd to shepherd his flock. And those words come to fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, where we see in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew says these words, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew is indicating that Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy of a ruler that will shepherd his people. And so we see in God the care of a shepherd. Shepherds care for the flock, and when they care for their flock, they demonstrate a fourfold care. A shepherd is known for knowing his sheep, for feeding his sheep, for leading his sheep, and for protecting his sheep. The ancient image of a shepherd had a, had a staff that they would use to count their sheep, knowing each and every one of them. They would have them named often. The shepherd was responsible for taking the flock through arid and unhospitable land, but always close enough to fresh water and fertile ground to graze. They were responsible for making sure that the sheep were fed A shepherd led his flock. Famously, the shepherd stands and walks in front of the sheep, never behind because the shepherd is is there to lead a following sheep. And finally, the, the shepherd is famous for protecting. He carried the staff and the club to go at war with beasts, to fend off robbers. And he always put his sheep in a pen each night to keep them from wandering off and going astray. That was the profession of a shepherd, and God said, that profession, that care, describes me and my care for my sheep. This is famously put into into memorable prose and verse in Psalm 23, and also in John chapter 10. Let us spend some time looking at how he knows how he teaches, how he leads, and how he protects. 
First of all, he knows. Psalm 23. What are the pronouns in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You see, the shepherding that God provides is personal. He knows his sheep. He knows them individually. He knows them by name. It's worth thinking about the parable of the lost sheep and In uh, Luke chapter 15, we're told that God is like a shepherd who has 99 sheep, but is aware that one of them is missing. And so he goes hither and thither to find his lost sheep and bring that sheep home on his shoulders. And then to celebrate with great circumstance, my lost sheep has been found. One commentator aptly and sweetly articulates that that means that God counts his flock by ones. He knows each and every one of his sheep. He knows you by name. He knows if you're missing. He knows if you're astray. Because he knows his flock. In John 10, 3, he is the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name. And then in John 10, 14, we are told, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. How richly does he know when he says, I know my sheep. A shepherd would know his sheep by knowing their weaknesses, by knowing their spots, by knowing their condition, by knowing whether they're pregnant by knowing whether they have nursing ewes, they would know many things about their sheep, that it was part of them providing excellent shepherding. And so when Jesus says, I know, he knows you more than your name. He knows you up and down, inside and out, so that his shepherding for you is just right. He knows you. He knows you. He feeds and teaches his sheep. Psalm 23, again, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Still waters and, and green pastures represent the nourishment and the care for his sheep. He puts them next to what they need. And it's not just food he's talking about. Primarily, he is talking about feeding them his truth, feeding them knowledge of himself. We consider in in, uh, the account of the feeding of the 5,000 in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus saw the, the mass of people as sheep without a shepherd, he sat down and taught them. He fed them his truth. He fed them what was most essential It was only after they had been fed his word that he took care of their physical needs because he was showing that feeding them the word was what they were most famished for. And so we have a shepherd who feeds us truth. 
who fills us with the knowledge that we need to survive in this world and the next. He doesn't give us junk food. He gives us the food that satisfies, the food that lasts. You know if you're hearing your shepherd's voice by whether or not he is telling you, rest in me. Versus, go after my gifts. That's a false teaching. Jesus wants you to be satisfied by himself as your food. Third, he leads us. He leads us, as Psalm 23 continues. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We have him walking ahead for us to follow. He leads a path that we are able to follow, and he leads us to an end that is delightful. He leads us by his voice. As Jesus tells us in the 10th chapter, they know my voice. They know my voice. They know my voice, yes. And so, how does that happen? How does the shepherd's voice become imprinted upon the sheep? How do the sheep learn their shepherd's voice? Certainly, uh, we must recognize that the Spirit gives ears to us to hear the voice of our shepherd. There is a, a divine work to give us ears to hear. But there is also... In the shepherding metaphor, the clear evidence that if we want to be attuned to the shepherd's voice, we have to be listening to the shepherd's voice. We have to be giving ourselves time to hear the shepherd so that we know how he speaks, so that we know his voice from the robber's voice. And so to to be led by the shepherd is to be attentive to his voice. I think there is an application there for us. Are you trained to his voice? Can you recognize the voice of your Savior and Lord from all of the cacophonous false teachers that want to take you away and rob you from rest in Christ? The only way that you can be trained upon his voice is by being in the word and being under faithful preaching. Do not neglect being trained to his voice. That is how he leads you in the paths of righteousness. And fourth, we see that he protects us. Psalm 23, verses 4 and 5 go on to say, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Psalm 23 was written by David, who also wrote Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is the, is, is the a psalm that, that starts with these words of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it goes through describing a, a season in David's life that was in, incredibly terrifying incredibly filled with persecution 
and, and great difficulty where he despaired of his own life. He was walking through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 22. And yet he lives to write Psalm 23. He lives to write these words that you were with me as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And how did he make it through the valley of the shadow of death? Because he was with him, because God was there protecting him. Psalm 23, read after Psalm 22, shows us that our God is the shepherd who protects us from every form of calamity. Not necessarily by taking it away from us, but holding on to us all the way through. Our shepherd protects us to the uttermost. As Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That goes beyond the shepherd's call. There are not stories of shepherds in first century uh, Jerusalem who have given up their lives for their sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the supreme shepherd. I will lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus goes to the cross where he cries out the words of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He has gone to the uttermost. He has laid down his life to protect you from your own sins and the condemnation of judgment. He has swallowed the enemy of death to protect you and secure you in his flock for eternity. He knows us. He teaches us. He leads us. He protects us. As Timothy Whitmer describes the care of The Lord is our shepherd. He says this. The shepherding metaphor is not only comprehensive with respect to the nature of the care received, but also with respect to the extent. Sheep are always completely dependent on their shepherd. They never outgrow their need for the shepherd to care for them, feed them, lead them, and protect them. The shepherd cares for the newborn lambs and is still there, when the sheep grow old and weak. The good news is that the Lord uses his sovereign power for the well-being of his flock. The good shepherd, the Lord who is your shepherd, cares for his flock from beginning to end. Third, God reveals himself as our shepherd so that we can be comforted every day by his crown. By his crown. We are told in 1 Peter again that when he appears, the chief shepherd, uh, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now here's something that we have to recognize as we talk about shepherds and sheep. Is this humbling fact. Sheep are not known for their intelligence. Sheep are not known for their self-preservation. 
Sheep are not known for successful independence. In fact, there was a story reported in the Associated Press about a, a, a flock of sheep. We're told of one sheep walking off a cliff. Sheep number two watched sheep number one. Went off the cliff. Sheep number three. Watch sheep number two. Off the cliff. Sheep 1,499. Watch sheep 1,498. Who followed 1,497 other sheep? Finally. Sheep 1,501 said enough. And somehow the story stops at 1,500 sheep walking off of a cliff. 450 of those sheep died. We're told in this report, in the end, 450 dead animals lie on top of one another in a billowy white tail. The only good news is that those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and the fall more cushioned. That's a true story. Those are sheep. We are prone to wander. We are prone to stray. We are prone to lose the way. We are prone to become ensnared. Knowing this about ourselves, knowing the appropriate diagnosis that we are sheep in so many respects, How can we be sure that we will persevere? How can we have assurance that we will not go off the cliff? Because of these words in verse 4, when he appears, you will receive. God's flock will make it to glory. When he appears, you, the shepherds, and the flock will receive. God's flock will make it to glory. Why? Because he is the chief shepherd. Christ is the chief shepherd. The glory of his appearance is attached to our glory because the shepherd's glory is his flock. Psalm 23.3 says that he leads us for his name's sake. His reputation as the good shepherd is attached to bringing and leading his flock safely home. He is crowned in glory as the chief shepherd, because the chief shepherd loses none that have been given to him. As the apostle John tells us, the words of Jesus, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Verse 
the best news right here, the greatest assurance is that our chief shepherd is in heaven right now, seated at the hand of his father. Why? Because he has completed his work. He has completed his work, and we know that where our chief shepherd is, we will follow and be, because where the shepherd leads, the sheep go. Where he is now is where we will be. That is the great assurance that the chief shepherd is in heaven now. If you want to experience assurance, if you really want to to rest in the assurance of your salvation, keep your eyes in one place. Keep your eyes on your shepherd because he has led and is now where he will make you on the last day. Where he has led, you will be. So God reveals himself as our shepherd so that we can be comforted every day by his character, by his care, and by his crown. How do we experience this care of the chief shepherd? How do we make this experience of his care real in our lives? I want to leave you with two takeaways. First, You must respond to his voice. You must respond to his voice. Nothing happens until John 10.27 is true for you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You must respond to the voice. Do you hear it? Is the voice of the shepherd being heard by you right now? Hear it by responding to it, by following its call, by saying, you are my shepherd, my Lord and my Savior. I turn from my own ways. I put my trust and my reliance and my hope entirely upon you. I make you my treasure. I make your place my place. Have you heard the voice of your shepherd? That's number one. And second, if you want to experience the care of the cheap shepherd, cheap shepherd, chief shepherd, there, is this. Be in the flock. Be in the flock. I.e., be together. Prioritize the community. Prioritize the life of the church. God's care is most felt here. It is Christ in me and Christ in you that helps Christ in you. The Christ in us helps the Christ in you to be known, fed, led, and protected. Don't neglect being part of the flock, for that is where God's care is most easily found. 
Commit yourself to being amidst the flock. And his care will be all around you. And so we end with the sweetest verse of Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.